Your local emergency medical services has just picked up a patient with an ST-elevated myocardial infarction. Where do they go? To the nearest hospital, even if they're not set up to offer PCI? Or do you send them a little further to the center best prepared for PCI? Welcome to a special segment on heart health. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Timothy Henry, professor of medicine and associate professor of clinical research at the University of Minnesota School of Medicine and the director of research at Minneapolis Heart Institute Foundation at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dr. Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Larry. I'm delighted to be here today. So what should the ambulance driver do? Should he take him to the closest hospital or drive a little further to somewhere where they know they'll get a balloon in them quickly? Well, unfortunately, the situation you just described is exactly what usually happens in the United States in that we don't have a planned system of care. We're moving that way, but there's clearly a long ways to go. And it's a complicated question because it really involves three different things. I think when you develop the system, and it depends on where you live. For instance, if that person lives, you know, 200 miles from the largest city, that's a lot different than if they live in the suburbs or if they live in, in downtown New York City. What I think the key part is, is you don't make the decision when they pick you up. You've made the decision a year ago with careful planning. Well, that seems ideal, but let's leave out logistics for a second. What are the cost benefits, really, versus just giving someone fibrinolysis versus PCI and take out totally timing and logistics? Who does better? More and more evidence tells us, I think, really that primary PCI or opening the artery with an angioplasty or stent is clearly better than fibrolytics. And the current guidelines state that it's related to time, so that if you can open that artery within 90 minutes. But there's actually evidence, I think, that the benefits last even longer. And what we've done is that we really have taken the approach that primary PCI is really the treatment of choice for all patients with ST elevation MI. So what we've tried to do is develop a system of care that whenever you come in, that's what you get. So that's if you get to a place that has a cath lab and people actually there ready and waiting. No, we actually have done it different. We've developed a system that now is 31 hospitals in Minnesota that are out to 210 miles away from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So if you present to any one of those hospitals, you get primary PCI. And so the farthest away, for instance, is in, you know, northern Minnesota, in Grand Rapids. And if you come to Grand Rapids, if once you present to Grand Rapids, we actually have a system in place that it starts with the ambulance. So there is a pre-hospital notification. So as they're coming to Grand Rapids Hospital, mm -hmm. the helicopter is actually flying to Grand Rapids to pick that patient up. And so the system is in place, and that's why I really emphasize the beginning. It's hard to make the decision right then. We will never do it as well. That's where the delays come. What really involves is careful planning ahead of time to know how you're going to react when it happens. How often is the paramedic wrong? I mean, how often does the patient arrive and turns out they were not having a heart attack, they just had some pericarditis? Yeah, that's a really excellent question. We actually just, in fact, published a paper in JAMA last month where we looked at our system. We had, you know, consecutive series now of almost 2,000 patients that we've seen that where we've activated our system, which we call the Level 1 MI system. And in that, it turns out about 13 or 14 percent of the time, the patient will not need a PCI. Now, 
That's a little more complicated than that because if you look at those patients, let's say it's 14%, about a third of them actually have positive enzymes. So there's reasons that people have heart attacks that are beyond just their artery closing from a clot, which is by far the most common cause. Sure, there's spasm. Right, and emboli and, you know, stress cardiomyopathy and myocarditis. There's a lot of reasons. So it turns out it's about 14%. The true false positive, if you take people who weren't really having a myocardial injury at all, is probably around 6 or 7%, which we think is reasonable. We think that means that these physicians and paramedics out in the field are doing an excellent job. Tell me how you came up with the magic number 210 miles, 210 minutes. Yeah. Well, what we did is, first of all, if you start with the PCI center, I think that places that have PCI available should do PCI 24 hours, seven days a week. I really do think that the benefits are there, and more and more evidence supports that, and I think that the majority of centers that have PCI are doing that. Then the second level tier comes from those hospitals that are within clearly within 90 minutes. So when you arrive at a hospital that doesn't have PCI, without any doubt, you can be transferred and have PCI in 90 minutes. For us, we made that cutoff at about 60 to 70 miles from our hospital, so the, kind of the outskirts of Minneapolis. And what's happened is we call that Zone 1. And in Zone 1, we have about 15 hospitals, and the average time from arrival at that outside hospital to when their arteries open is now about 90 minutes. So we really think from out to that level for sure, it's very easy to do and the results have been outstanding. So then what we did is beyond 60 to 70 miles, at that point we weren't sure how long it would take. So the next sort of tier of hospitals that are even further away from Minneapolis, what we've done is developed a system where we do facilitated PCI. So it's sort of a combination of fibrinolysis and PCI. And that's basically how we made the decision for these zones was clearly based on distance and time. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment on heart health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Dr. Timothy Henry, professor of medicine and associate professor of clinical research at the University of Minnesota School of Medicine and director of research at Minneapolis Heart Institute Foundation. Dr. Henry, let's talk a little physiology for a minute. You're having a heart attack, heart muscle starts to die. How many minutes before heart muscle is unsalvageable? It's a really excellent question. We know that if you can get to the patient within 60 minutes, within an hour, that clearly almost all of the myocardium will be saved. After that, more dies. It's sort of like not one cutoff. It's just the longer it takes, is the worse it is. Now, of course, there are exceptions to the rules because, you know, people who have thrombus that is, you know, forming and resolving, so it's intermittently closed, and you have patients that have collateral blood flow. So there's a lot of, you know, still variability in that. But clearly, I think in particular, the first six hours is a key time point. Now, this whole issue about time is clearly important for both fibrinolytics or for PCI, but it does appear to be more critical with fibrinolytics and that with, with PCI. And I think another important point is, is when people who present late clearly do much better with PCI. What is the typical door-to-balloon time and how have you seen it change since you've implemented this standardized approach? 
two ways to divide that. First is hospitals that have PCI itself. And, you know, remember now that current recommended guidelines are that you do it in less than 90 minutes from the onset of medical contact. So there's really pretty tight timelines that we are really are hoping for. Unfortunately, the average time in the United States, even in PCI hospitals, was over 100 minutes, you know, almost 120 minutes. Now, that time itself has been going down. I think we've done an excellent job of that. The second question is, what happens if you present to a hospital without PCI? turns out that that time is about three hours. And that is, I think, way too slow. But I'll also say that now, you know, there's really, I think, outstanding evidence now. In fact, I just reviewed a paper that looks at all the hospitals that have compared transfer for PCI to fibrinolytics. And clearly, the benefits of transfer for PCI are have a significant reduction in mortality, significant reduction in reinfarction and stroke. So I think it's clearly the way to go, and what we need to do is really develop systems that allow it to happen in a quick way. If you have coronary artery disease, you should probably make a decision of where to live based on this. Well, that's a key thing. You know, is it the patient's responsibility? You know, and a lot of patients bring that up and say, but, you know, that's hard to do. And I think really the emphasis, and there's been two initiatives that I think are very important that deserve comment. The first is that American College of Cardiology has done D2B. And what this is is a focus on hospitals to develop systems to decrease their door-to-blown time. They've had incredible support in terms of hospitals signing up and working on this process. The second, I think, is even beyond that and even more important from a system standpoint, and that is the American Heart Association has a program called Mission Lifeline. And the program Mission Lifeline is to initially really categorize and gather information about the current systems of care for ST elevation MI, and then put support in place for people to have a system. So really, if you look at this, my goal, and actually about now several years ago, we wrote an editorial in the Journal American of College of Cardiology that said we felt it was time for a national policy for treatment of ST elevation MI. And I'll really digress for just a second. Why is it so important? Well, we have a national system of care for trauma, and yet three to four times more people die a year from acute ST elevation MI than die from trauma. So it's clearly an important thing that we need to develop. And I think with the combination of the door to balloon and this mission lifeline, I think we're really to the point where we can have a time or I can see a time in the near future where every hospital in the United States has a standardized plan in place for when a patient comes there with an ST elevation MI. Well, we're almost out of time. What would you like to see done in the United States in the next few years? Well, I think really every hospital, like I said, should have a system, a standardized protocol in place, including standardized orders and a protocol for how they deal with ST elevation MI. And it really involves three different systems, and I think that there's kind of three key things that each system should be thinking about. One is a system of pre-hospital diagnosis and notification. And this really involves the paramedics. So we should do 12 lead EKGs in the field, and then when it shows ST elevation, that then that there's notification from the paramedics to the hospital that the patient is coming. 
A second key point is I think we really need to have a system of care that includes triage. So in a large city like Minneapolis, you really need to use the ambulance and to triage hospitals to PCR centers. Now, that works about half the time, but unfortunately, still 50% of patients drive themselves to the hospital. So the third point is, besides triage, is we really need to develop a program for transfer, even in metropolitan areas. Well, Dr. Timothy Henry, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you. It's been delightful. You've been listening to a special segment on heart health on ReachMD. To make any comments or to listen to our full library of podcasts, please visit us at reachmd.com. If you register on the site with the promo code radio, you'll receive six months free of streaming radio that you could listen to at home or on your computer at work. Thanks for listening today.